I think Colin Peacock might be somewhere in Wellington. <laughs> I am. I'm <laughs> lurking down here. I, I missed you talking to Naomi Arnold earlier, but just last summer I passed by there with my daughter on a bike trip and popped in on her and said here she's being visited now by a large volume of water. Yeah, and did you? Well, she said that they can hear the boulders grinding down this stream. That's this rising stream uh, from their property. They can actually hear it, hear them. Yeah, well, be, the, earlier in the summer, you would have heard me slowly grinding up the hill, <laughs> creaking knees towards her place back then. But yeah, that, that would <laughs> Not be quite less, the same thing. less terrifying than boulders uh, coming down the creek for sure. Heck yeah! All right, this uh, mission sounds quite terrifying in itself. Uh, a broadcaster's been on a secret mission. In a war zone. Yes, that's right. Uh, Tova O'Brien, uh, formerly the political editor at News Hub and familiar face from TV3. For the last six months or so, she's been uh, the breakfast host on Today FM, uh, the station formerly known as Magic Talk. Now, her and um, Simon Morrow, who's the uh, head of video at Today FM, have been on a trip to Ukraine and they've come back with a lot of stuff. The centerpiece of it was uh, an exclusive interview with uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, that aired uh, today, uh, Wednesday morning. And yeah, they really did um, promote this very heavily. If you were listening to the station over the last couple of days and this morning, uh, you would have heard uh, the voice of their station is Paul Henry. Loads and loads of promos, Paul Henry saying every few minutes, the people that matter talk to Tova on Today FM. And uh, every ad break, you you heard it. So they certainly um, made a a lot of that. And we'll we'll talk about the interview in a minute, but just the the planning and the logistics uh, was quite interesting. And also the funding, um, because this uh, came about because of $50,000 of public money from the Public Interest Journalism Fund. And I did see that in the recent round of funding announcements. It said, an unnamed Tova O'Brien special. And I thought it was a bit odd that there were no details about what that was. And um, I even thought I might make a call and find out because it just seemed odd that there would be absolutely no topic listed. But I guess now we know it's because, you know, it had to be a bit of a secret for uh, the security of both uh, Tova and Simon and, of course, um, uh, President Zelensky, who's um, number one on the uh, on the Russian hit list at the moment. So did we get our money's worth? Well... In terms of the volume of content, certainly. I mean, they produced a lot of stuff. But, yeah, the focus of it was this um, this exclusive interview with the president, and that went out um, this morning. Now, if you wanted to know how he was coping and uh, about um, you know the resilience of Ukrainians and so on and, and the war effort, I mean, you can go to other broadcasters uh, because, you know, Zelensky is a media professional previously, Famously, of course, an actor and a comedian, very media savvy. So he has done plenty of interviews with international broadcasters, and you don't have to, you know, send a crew and make the long trip just to get that. And you could also sort of predict what he would say when pressed about New Zealand specifically, um, you know, that they would like more help from us and grateful for what they've got and so on. And indeed, that is what he said. But still, uh, it was definitely enlightening to hear uh, Zelensky's sort of expectations of a faraway place like New Zealand and also just the depth of his fears about the world's attention waning. A lot of people figured this would happen, you know, as as the months went by and the war was uh, prolonged. And um, Tover O'Brien also asked him specifically about um, things like the the low uptake of humanitarian visas issued by New Zealand and how the system for administering that didn't seem to be um, absolutely optimal. And, and I think President Zelensky also said that New Zealand's SAS troops were already training uh, Ukrainians as part of our military commitment. And I think um, 
that was new information. And at one point, uh, Zelensky even talked about um, the role of our media. And journalists of New Zealand, because, of course, with the information, you can give people right messages. Right messages for me is true messages. Well, it feels really important to be thank here as so, well. And thank you so much see it for, for coming. Us. So the invitation, just to be clear, the invitation is still open to yes, Jacinda Ardern. Of course. And she's sure. indicated that she might come maybe later. Yes, I think I think I, I think I think she said yes. She will. She will when when she 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 will we'll, find possibilities. She will. We'll keep asking her for you. Mm, so Tova O'Brien made quite a big deal of the fact that Jacinda Ardern uh, has not yet visited Ukraine, in spite of having an invitation. Other leaders uh, have, including Australia's uh, Prime Minister, made a, um, a priority of that upon winning the election. Uh, and she really put the piled the heat on about that. Uh, She actually made a point of saying uh, before that interview aired uh, today uh, that she'd already put out a request to interview Jacinda Ardern about what Zelensky had said and uh, received no response. And she sort of had a bit of a dig at uh, the prime minister saying it was was easier to get an interview in the end with the president of Ukraine than it is to get um, our own prime minister on, on her show. Uh, but Colin, the, the funding wasn't just for one radio interview, though, was it? What else has come out of the trip? No, indeed, the funding announcement when we went back and looked at it specified a 20-minute radio interview and also news extracts uh, coming out of that. But also on the Tova show, there were, there were other interviews, too, from her trip. She uh, tracked down New Zealanders who were doing things as part of the effort. Former Tauranga Mayor Tenby Powell uh, is there, which I didn't realise, helping out with ambulances, uh, services and, and logistics uh, for an outfit called uh, Kiwi Aid and Refugee Evacuation. Um, there's also apparently a podcast to come and a 40-minute documentary will screen on Prime TV. And I'm told that will be the 22nd of August, which I think is next Monday. And in addition, over the weekend, some of what Zelensky had to said was, uh, say was in uh, two written features that went out on uh, Stuff's newspapers and online uh, over the weekend. Um also, if you go to Today FM's site, there's a whole section now just called Tova in Ukraine. And I would say there's between a dozen and a half and two dozen separate short videos from various locations. Presumably, that's a lot of the stuff that will be bundled up into that um, that TV documentary, which we can see next week. Um, there was even uh, a short clip of um, her pulling in and their um, gas-guzzling uh, armoured SUV uh, to the petrol station in the capital, Kiev. that surely petrol would be off the charts here in Ukraine during war zone. But for 95, it's 49 Zivna, which is about $2.13. So compared to the $2.86 we're paying at home, it's actually far cheaper in Ukraine. Yeah. At first, I thought that was a little bit silly, you know, comparing the petrol prices in Ukraine with uh, what we're paying on the high street here. But um, that was just one of several videos that she's made, sort of short ones, to give, really give slices of life of, of what it's like in a country at war. Um, she also made one, for example, in a kind of former nightclub that's now been converted into a kind of improvised war operations centre. So, yeah, presumably all of that will be wrapped up in that TV doco to come. Or if you want to see the little bits and pieces, um, there's plenty, plenty to choose from on the Today FM website. So quite a lot of content over several media outlets. We don't see local reporters overseas much anymore. So all in all, a good thing? Well, 
I think so, yeah. I mean, and it also strikes me, do you remember that when Tova O'Brien made that switch from TV, from the News Hub, now owned by Discovery, to MediaWorks for the station Today FM, there was a, they fell out, there was a restraint of trade thing and they couldn't start the programme till I think late in March. How could we forget? Yeah, well, it just, I mean, a bit of an intermediate squall, but I wonder if that doco they've made, that could be alongside... You know, the other sort of stars of TV3, as people would remember, like those Patrick Gower documentaries, you know, Tova on Ukraine could be alongside them. I have a feeling that might have been the case if they hadn't had their falling out. But, I mean, we might remember that at the start of the war, uh, News Hub's Europe correspondent Lisette Raymer, TVNZ's Daniel Faitawa, they were leaving their London bases going in and out of Ukraine and neighbouring Poland all the time when the war started, but inevitably the longer it went on, the media focus has, has drifted. That was a big point that Tova O'Brien uh, wanted to make. And also just, you know, it's quite an ambitious thing to do if you're on a, the daily grind of a morning show to, you know, do something like this. Uh, take a trip, you know, the knock-on effects, having another host. And so there's, there's a lot, uh, a lot of people would have to work hard to have made this happen. So I do applaud the ambition of it and, uh, yeah, really like to see that documentary when it comes out on Monday. And Colin Tiver's not the only New Zealander reporting back from the Ukraine lately. No, it would be unfair not to mention the Herald's uh, political reporter, Nick Jones. Now, he won um, an NIB Senior Health Journalism Scholarship, so a kind of sponsored award, uh, a few thousand dollars. I don't know the exact sum. Uh, I think that was awarded to him at last year's Voyager Awards, the big uh, media awards. So he used that to visit Ukraine. Uh, In particular, there's a charity called Smart Medical Aid, part run by a cardiothoracic anaesthetist who resigned her job, she's Ukrainian, uh, at Auckland City Hospital and moved to the city of Lviv uh, to work for that organisation. So um, he uh, did uh, a full article about her work and the work of that organisation and also a a fascinating story. Then Tova O'Brien also did a feature on this woman, Jenny Beasley, former British Army medic who's helping out in Ukraine and other New Zealander. Um, So, uh, yeah, big effort. And actually, uh, Nick Jones also appeared on the Herald's podcast called Front Page to talk about this and he addressed the sort of awkward part of this when you're tracking down these expats who go off to, to fight overseas in war as volunteers. They, they get a lot of coverage but the question does have to kind of be asked whether they're really helping. Quite a few people turning up there wanting to fight who aren't really physically or otherwise suited to fight there and yeah who knows what their motivations are and they think there is a bit of a problem with people who essentially can't really aid the effort turning up in the country but then there are people like Jenny who went through the right channels and is desperately desperately wanted and needed and that was Nick Jones mm-hmm. and Leo Malloy the Auckland Meritory race Leo Malloy pulled out just before the local election deadline got a lot of coverage this and this is from a man who claimed he was sausage not sizzle <laughs> well, yeah. will we miss him well, I think the media certainly will, because yes, he injected colour into that um, race. But yeah, when that deadline approached for confirming a candidacy, he didn't do it. Um, he claimed that cowboys don't cry, um, which is, I guess, his way of saying, well, you know, I'm over it. Um, someone at that point said he should watch um, Brokeback Mountain, um, and that might vary his media type. <laughs> but the thing is, having said that, you know... I don't think that'd be on his list of movies must see. Well, I, I couldn't account for his tastes, but... Um, the thing is that having said that, uh, he then kind of had a bit of a cry about the media, blamed the media for um, part of the reason that he wasn't carrying on. Now, in that press conference, he did say it was an opinion poll uh, that put him in third. 
He didn't reckon he could win. He would split the vote on the perhaps the people leaning to the right a little. Some pundits said, look, that's a bit weird because in that vote, uh, in that poll rather, uh, fully a third of people almost were undecided. And none of the other candidates had a huge lead because, um, you know, there's a lot of them. So that split the vote as well. But anyway, he made his decision. That notorious Guy Williams um, interview <laughs> might have had something to do with it. He did say in that press conference, I think it was recorded something like six or eight months ago. Um, but that might have damaged him a little bit. But he did get a a very long and sympathetic hearing, the sort of thing he might have wanted from the media, uh, from his mate and backer, uh, Dave Latelli, also known as Butterbean. He's got a weekend show on Today FM, the Butterbean radio show. Um, Now, he's worked alongside uh, Leo Malloy on some of his community initiatives and and charity projects. And uh, in talking to Dave Latelli, uh, Leo Malloy complained that the media just uh, during his campaign uh, didn't take him seriously or even really portray him properly. But then they take the two questions, the answers, and they conflate two little pieces out of it, and some sub-editor writes a headline that's got no relevance at all to what you said. Yeah. And you have to look, read the article and you sort of think to yourself, really? Really? I mean, I'm, I'm clickbait. I'm rich, low-hanging fruit, and I can mm. sell papers. So I, I accept that and I understand that, but I just wish sometimes they'd give me an opportunity to be really authentic and to explain who yeah. Leo really is. <laughs> low-hanging fruit. Does he have a point, though? Because media do seize on missteps, even if he seemed willing to provide them. Yeah, rich low-hanging fruit, actually. It would look good oh, on a business card, yeah, wouldn't sorry. it? Yeah. <laughs> rich low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and a clickbait generated. Well, look, in a way, because, yeah, the media do seize on the silly things he says. But, I mean, of course, he's you know willingly providing those at times, isn't he? At one point, he talked about his rival, Ephesso Collins, how he'd like to see his head on the wall like a hunting trophy or something. Look, if you say those things, of course, the media are going to pick up on them and then, you know, can you really be surprised if people aren't uh, seeing, as, as he described, the many layers of him uh, that are there, if you're, if you're going to show people layers like that to the media? Um, but it was a frustrating experience because uh, this interview went on for quite a long time, and he did he wasn't acting up. He, was, he knew there wasn't a camera on him. He was quite casual, um, wasn't trying to bluster. So it was interesting, and I did learn a bit more about some of his attitudes to business and his uh, social work stuff he's been involved in, or community work, I should say. And he wasn't, you know, hugely showing off about that. Uh, so yes, I think you know there are layers to him that people may not have appreciated um, from the kind of side he presented when he was uh, trying to get attention in the campaign. But one other thing that, having said that, I almost warmed to him a bit, and then he said. Uh, to Dave Latelli, you know, Dave, I never say anything without being able to back it up. I do my homework and, and all of this. And then he came out with something that was just, you know, absolute nonsense. So when Dave Latelli said he'd just been to Wellington and walking around, he loved it. He said, Wellington's a city that's great. You know, Auckland's a mess and Wellington's really got it going on. It's Wellingtonia. I think that's a bit weird because we're feeling like things are a bit suboptimal down here at the moment. And Auckland's actually making progress on a few things. But anyway, Leo Malloy uh, responded to that with a bit of a rant about Auckland being kind of ripped off by Wellington. Because 92% of the taxes that are paid in this city go to Wellington, and Wellington decides how to spend them. Do you know what they give us back in return? MIQ, corrections, 501s, dumping, dumping, dumping. We're the toxic pit of New Zealand now because Wellington controls us. Wellington, meantime, spends their money on whatever they wish. Yeah, so those are just made-up stats. I mean, that stuff about 90% of, uh, of tax, it's just, it's just silly. That's just a kind of boilerplate, uh, boilerplate swipe at the government. doesn't really 
mean a whole lot, and I know I'm a Wellington kind of civil servant of sorts uh, sitting here saying that, but uh, no, I think it undermines what he was saying, that he's the thoughtful uh, individual that pays attention to the details, and yeah, not too impressive um, when he comes up with things like that. And I don't think Aucklanders would like being hearing their place being described as, what was that, a toxic pit? <laughs> he's low-hanging well, fruit in a toxic pit. I don't think he's very nice at all. Well, one thing I didn't know about him was that he he is uh, Julie Christie, Dame Julie Christie's brother. Oh, no, no, that's a new one on me as well. It's a, a media connection. Mm. Let's talk rugby, shall we? The, uh, and uh, nothing made more headlines here than the underperforming All Blacks and their under-fire coach, Ian Foster. He's now finally been backed and not sacked by NZ Rugby after this big win in the weekend in Johannesburg. But the media was still not happy. Well, maybe a little bit happier after the announcement uh, today. Um, I think Wednesday, 2.30 in the afternoon, finally they got some clarity with saying that he will be backed and not sacked uh, by New Zealand rugby, Ian Foster. But do you remember when they lost to Ireland uh, for the second time uh, earlier this month? The journalists got so mad when the All Blacks cancelled a press conference and they said it was to protect Ian Foster from the hostile questions. Um, And uh, this weekend, they kind of did it again, although this time they did have the press conference. So after the South Africa game, which uh, uh, New Zealand won, um, the media assumed that some light would be shed here on whether the coach would indeed be fired, Um, especially as Ian Foster had said on the pitch post-match to Sky's Jeff Wilson um, that he didn't really know about his future. So then NZ Rugby Chair, Mark, uh, Chief Executive rather, Mark Robinson, did the press conference via Zoom, shifting around in his chair, terrible camera angle, wearing an all-black shirt. Um, and uh, before he took questions, he gave... Um, uh, sorry, this audio's not great. The Zoom line he was on wasn't great either. Uh, this is the little preamble he gave to journalists before he took their questions. It'll be... I'm happy to take some questions, but around a number of matters, you'll have to appreciate that uh, as much as we'd like to comment, uh, we, we're probably not in a position to, to comment um, in detail, but happy to um, try and respond to any questions now and, and pause and let that happen. Thanks. He can and he can't. What's he saying, that he couldn't answer questions? I, I, that is no way, is it, to begin a press conference that you yourself had called you know, and then warning everyone that you might not actually be able to answer the questions. And I think the timing of that was about 5.30pm, so your 6pm TV news is coming up. So the sports reporters and uh, editors back at the studios would have been absolutely primed for some sort of announcement about the all-black coach. And it just doesn't happen. I mean, just bizarre. And then I think he said there would be another one later in the week, which uh, turns out has happened. And now a bit of clarity. But, yeah, not, not, not good media management at all. How did the media respond to that, that little piece, I think I can guess? Yeah, well, the unanimous view was that it was a shambles. I mean, it caused a lot of people to say that, you know, Mark Robinson uh, should actually quit as well. And, you know, some of the public opinion and media opinion then started uh, having a bit more sympathy for Ian Foster, you know, after he got a drubbing from the media for, you know, the All Blacks playing so badly under his charge. But, I mean, some of the comment pretty strong. So today, FM Sports Editor Nigel Yaldin penned a piece online saying if you have something to say, say it, otherwise keep your mouth shut, which is pretty blunt, message to Mark Robinson. And News Hub's Andrew Gordy wrote an online piece uh, saying um, a series of probing questions received underwhelming answers. Uh, Robinson was shifting in his chair, just found new ways to say no comment over and over again. Uh, The obvious question on the minds of all of us on that Zoom call was, why are we here? They'd managed to create negative headlines on a day when the organisation and the team genuinely, finally, had something positive to celebrate. Do you think it's a big deal if a few journalists feel like they've been led up the garden path a bit? 
Well, I don't, and I did laugh when political reporter uh, Jason Walls uh, said on Twitter, Dear sports reporters, you're currently experiencing your first announcement of an announcement press conference. Welcome to the world of political reporting. Um, But, uh, you know, look, rugby reporters have complained about being belittled by New Zealand rugby in the past. So this is sort of funny in a way. But look, they are professionals. And they would have paid a lot, uh, those few that were in South Africa, uh, to to go and actually attend the tests. They will feel they've been badly treated. In fact, before... um, that press conference nonsense. So before the actual win in South Africa, uh, stuff reporter Mark Hinton, he was one of the few who'd uh, made it all the way to South Africa to report on the test. Uh, He gave an interview to SENZ Radio, uh, to Ian Smith, and I think it became clear just how much um, the rugby reporters and the rugby powers that be have fallen out with each other. You know, they've just shut us right out. Um, But, you know, they're they're doing um, interviews with the people in-house putting them out on their own uh, YouTube channels and, and not making these people available to the media that have spent money to be here that are the direct conduits to the New Zealand public. And it's an all-time low, um, and I know that the chief executive is, is aware of it. I'm sure he wants to do something about it because this is not how he sees the New Zealand rugby pushing forward out of these dark days. Yeah, but then soon after that, after the match, it was that chief executive he thought was going to sort things out that uh, ran them through that really terrible press conference and ended up uh, the uh, the source of their ire. So it sounds like somebody needs to organise a big get together now uh, where they can all let it let it out. Um, lots of sort of tears and snot and have a few hugs and maybe they can all be friends again. I think that might be the solution. <laughs> I'd like to see an expose on the inside story. Yeah, that that we should send Tover O'Brien and. Simon Morrow there. They could do a full series for Today FM behind the scenes. That would work.